Hello everybody, I am Jason Trader, I am the Prince of Wessex, and this is the Art of Being, the podcast, the Council of Jerusalem edition. <laughs> uh, today I'm going to be talking a little bit about Acts chapter 15, uh, this is the Council of Jerusalem. Uh, I've actually kind of had this, this podcast um, written and researched for quite some time. And uh, I don't know why I didn't do it. I, I guess I just wasn't led by the Spirit. But I was going through uh, some of the mentors and people that I go uh, study with and, and, and uh, learn from and Voice Messiah Ministries. Check them out on YouTube. They posted there on their website or on their uh, YouTube channel that uh, the Council of Jerusalem, Acts 15. And it just reminded me that I already had uh, done something up and they kind of confirmed uh, what I had written and what I had studied and found in my research. So it just kind of reminded me that, yeah, you know, I need to get on this, this podcast and I need to, I need to teach this one uh, because I think it is often used very, very misrepresented in the scripture. So I've, I've been specifically told, like when I point out, uh, you know, in the gospels or uh, when I point out in the, the letters of Peter or Paul or John and I say, hey, right here, they're saying, you know, keep the commandments. You know, First John chapter two, uh, I think it's like verses one through four is m like my favorite description of salvation. And um, it, in it, it says, keep the commandments. Like it legitimately tells us to keep the commandments, right? And uh, I know a lot of people like to say that there's only two or that there's only 10 and then they forsake the Sabbath and only keep nine. But nowhere in scripture, when, when, when Yeshua says, I add to you a new commandment. He didn't say, I'm adding to you a new commandment and single-handedly removing all the other ones. He, he, as a matter of fact, he came and said, I've not come to abolish the law, right? So Yeshua didn't come to get rid of these things. He came to uh, teach us how to live according to that, that we may walk in his example and, and that we may keep the words, which, which is the Torah, the Debar Elohim, the the words of God, that we may keep these words as a guide to living our lives. Every prophet in the Bible, guys, ever, they all prophesied and told people that they needed to return to Torah. And you think when Yeshua came on the scene that he's the only prophet that never did that. He's the only one. That doesn't seem legit to me. And we get from his own mouth, I have not come to abolish the law. That's what he said right off the bat. So we here at The Art of Being, we believe in keeping the Torah and, and keeping all the principles found uh, within the, the books of the Bible. And I don't care what you think you're under. And I don't care what doctrine you think uh, you follow. Like, well, my doctrine or, you know, doctrinally speaking, we don't have to keep those things. Meanwhile, the creator of the universe said, hey, guys, I got a couple good ideas. And you just spit on them when you say, I don't have to do any of those ideas because it doesn't apply to me. Well, the guy who created everything said, I got a couple good ideas on how to live and how to live effectively. And uh, I don't care what you think you have to or don't have to do. It's just a good idea to do what God said. <laughs> and uh, so when he says, keep the commandments, Yeshua said, I did not come to abolish the law. Right. And then we see later on. That if you love Yahshua, that you'll keep the commandments. Like I said, that's found in 1 John chapter 2. It's one of my favorite uh, verses in the Bible since I've found Torah and found the requirement and uh, started living my life according to the laws of God. 
I just I turn to that one a lot because I think it's just a great description of uh, what we need to do. So go ahead and read that for yourself. But when I tell people, like, hey, look right here in First John chapter two, it talks about keeping the commandments. And what I have been specifically told is that does not mean we have to keep the laws of God because the Council of Jerusalem decided that we no longer have to keep the law. That's what I've been told. So it's my fault that I didn't use hermeneutics. If you would have used hermeneutics, Jason, if you would have used these hermeneutical principles instead of uh, eisegesis and used exegesis like you're supposed to, you would have concluded and found out that we don't have to keep these commandments. We no longer have to keep these laws of God. Have you not read Galatians? Have you not seen the Council of Jerusalem where they decided that we didn't have to keep the law? And I'm telling you guys, it's ridiculous when people come at me saying, I don't use hermeneutics. And then you go to the Council of Jerusalem and say, hey, let me see what these guys are talking about in Acts chapter 15. Let me see if they decided in this that we should no longer keep the law. Let, let, let's see if that was the deciding factor. And then you go read the Council of Jerusalem, as people like to call it, in Acts chapter 15, and you don't see anywhere, not one sentence that says, not one, go ahead, find it. Don't keep the commandments. You don't look for that. And, and, if, and if it's in your version, and I just don't have the right version of the Bible, and I need some correction, you let me know. But from what I see in the Council of Jerusalem, it is actually the people of God continuing to keep the Torah and is proof that they wanted to continue to keep the Torah, but they were doing it in a more graceful manner and that they were doing it with more patience instead of like, follow it now or go to hell, you know, which was what was happening, right? Get circumcised or you ain't going to go to heaven. That's what was happening. And it was a harshness. And I think what we miss in the Council of Jerusalem is that it, it was actually encouraging to allow people to slowly but surely learn how to keep the laws because these are Gentiles, not Jews. The Jews would have known the law, right? Even if they didn't keep it, even if they weren't necessarily believers, their holidays and everything that they celebrated matched that. You know, so they would have known, like, even if they don't keep it, what Passover means, what it's about, because that was a holiday. It was, it was a national holiday. So they would have known. But these new Gentiles coming in, they got different holidays. And they got different cultures. And they don't understand. So they come together to discuss a particular event about what we're going to do now with these Gentiles coming into, to, coming into our nation. And what we find is that they're encouraged to continue to keep the law. And not only that, uh, we find that um, they're told, well, we'll let, you know what, you know what, let me just get into it. I was going to give you guys a little preface, because they say you're supposed to say what you want to say beforehand, so that when you say it, it registers in their mind. It's like a teaching trick, all those teaching tools I've learned, but I'm not going to get into all that. I'm just going to get into it. Let's just read the text and let the text speak for itself, and you can make your own conclusion. Uh, and I am certain that when we're done with this, you'll see that the Council of Jerusalem in no way, not one bit, does it tell us that we no longer have to keep the commandments, but it actually encourages the keeping of the commandments. So let's get into it. So Acts chapter 15, and it said, And certain men which came down from Judea taught the brethren and said, Except ye be circumcised after the manner of Moses, you cannot be saved. So, 
here we find the purpose to the Council of Jerusalem. It was not to see whether we still need to keep the law. It was because certain people taught that unless you're circumcised, you can't be saved. So that is why this council is forming. All right? And then it says, When therefore Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute, disputation with them, sorry, this King James, man, with them, to de they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go to Jerusalem unto the apostles and elders about this question. What question? Do you need to be circumcised to be saved? That's the question. Now, you ask yourself, why is that a question? Why are they wondering about that? Well, they're wondering about that because these are people that believe in keeping the whole law. Okay, we're talking about Pharisees. Some of them now converts, some of them that still want to continue to follow the old ways, but there are converts in Jerusalem that believe in Yeshua, they keep the whole law, and when they look and see people not being circumcised, they're like, yo, these people aren't keeping the law. That's not what Yeshua wanted. Keep it. Do it, right? So Paul and Barnabas are like, hey, let's go to Jerusalem and let's talk about this circumcision thing and see. And the reason that was an issue is because when you look at Yeshua's teachings, he doesn't mention circumcision, right? He talks about repent, talks about be baptized, Right? He talks about those kinds of things, but not specifically circumcision. So they're like, yo, what do we do? Hey, Paul and Barnabas, why don't you guys go and, and let's find out what's happening. And verse 3, And being brought on their way by the church, they passed through Phineas and Samaria, declaring the conversation of the Gentiles. And they caused great joy unto the brethren. How did they cause great joy? Well, because they told the Gentiles, you guys can be saved. It's cool. Because these Gentiles are being told you can't fit in, right? You're not one of us. You're not part of us. You haven't been circumcised, so you're not fully converted. You're a half proselyte. You're not a full convert. And they go to them and say, hey, don't worry. Yeshua died for you too. That's what the great joy is. They're finding out that they too can be counted as part of the uh, children of God. And when they were come to Jerusalem, this is Paul and them, they were received of the church and of the apostles and elders, and they declared all things that God had done with them. But there arose up a certain sect of the Pharisees, which believed, saying that it was not needful to, be circumcised, to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. So... The Pharisees, they come up and they say in verse 5 here, hey, it's needful for these people to be circumcised and keep the law of Moses. That's what he says. We need these people to do it. That's what the Pharisees say during this, during this conversation. They need to be circumcised and they need to keep the law. Verse 6, and the apostles and elders came together, together for to consider this matter. What matter? Being circumcised, right? <laughs> and uh, which was added here and keeping the law. Okay, verse 7, And when there had been much disputing, so now they're going back and forth, much disputing. So this isn't like we walked in and this is what was said. These guys have probably been talking for hours, guys. They've been opening up scrolls. They've been quoting things to each other. There's much disputing going back and forth. That's what's happening. And when there had been much disputing, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, Ye know 
how that a good while ago God made choice among us and that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe. So Peter here tells everyone and what he's referencing is the day of Pentecost. Now this is a holy Moedim to, to God that, that, that modern people call Pentecost. And on that day, if you remember, Peter rose up and spoke, and they're like, yo, this dude is drunk, but then it turns out he wasn't drunk, and he ends up like a bunch of people get converted, right? And these people that are getting converted are a bunch of people uh, of different nations. It, it doesn't say that they were just Jews, because it says everyone heard him in his own tongue. So a Jew from Greece that spoke Greek would have heard Greek. Uh, one that spoke Hebrew would have heard Hebrew. Uh, there's Gentiles that are probably coming in here from, from Romans and walking around, and all these different types of people are hearing Peter. There's Gentiles in the mix, and they're hearing the word of God, and they get saved. Remember the day of Pentecost? That's what happened. All these people, they get, they get saved. And Peter says, hey, guys, uh, just so you know, I saw the Kakodesh, the Holy Spirit. I saw it move on the Gentiles. I saw it happen with, with my own two peepholes. I, I saw this stuff. And God, which knoweth the hearts, bear them witness, gave them the Holy Ghost, that's what I was just saying, even as he did unto us. So he's saying, I saw the same thing happen to Jews that happened to Gentiles. It was crazy, y'all. It was nuts. Verse 9, and put no difference between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. So, He's reminding, uh, Peter here, he's reminding them that the, he, I witnessed these, these Gentiles be purified. I witnessed it happen. Verse 10. Now therefore, why tempt ye God to put a yoke upon the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? Okay. Hugely misunderstood verse right here. Hugely misunderstood. Everyone right here would love to point to this verse and say, Now therefore, why tempt God to put a yoke on the neck of the, of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor we were able to bear? And everyone says, See, see, the law is a yoke and it's a burden and we should not put it around people's necks. Well, we're going to see in a minute that that's not what Peter meant by it, nor what any of the council members mean by it. But what he's what Peter's really saying here is not that, hey, let's not teach these guys a law because it's a yoke. What he's actually saying is, look, our ancestors did not keep the law. And we were divorced from God and kicked out of our nation because we didn't keep the law. So these Gentiles who don't keep it, they're no different than you or I. Right? That's what he's saying. He's saying we couldn't do it, but yet we're yelling at them for not being able to do it. He's basically saying, stop yelling at them for doing something that you didn't do yourself. Not saying... We should never, ever, ever, ever put the law into their their thought process and teach them about it at all. He's not saying the law is a burden, get rid of it. He's saying, hey, we couldn't do it correctly and we're getting mad at them for not doing it correctly. That's not fair to them to expect them to be perfect in the law when we ourselves could not be perfect in the law. That's what he's saying here. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, that's the Messiah Yeshua, we shall be saved, then even as they. Then all the multitude kept silent and gave audience to Barnabas and Paul, declaring what miracles and wonders God had wrought among the Gentiles by them. So everyone's shocked here, right? They kept silent. 
Why did they keep silent? They kept silent because they were like, oh, snap, what? You, they believed him. They believed Peter. Wait, you saw the Holy Ghost come upon these guys? Oh, okay. Well, I, really? Really? So they, 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 didn't, they were like, yo, this is legit then. Like, God is saving the Gentiles. So now we're having Pharisees start to click in their brain. Oh, snap. God's pouring out his spirit on people who don't keep the law. That's, what, that's what's happening. So they're a little shocked right now. They're a, little, they're a little taken back by this whole thing. So they keep silent and gave audience and they listened because they wanted to know what else is happening, what, what's going on. They, they want more information now. Now they're intrigued because they're seeing the Spirit be poured out and they want to understand it as well. So let's go to verse 13. And after they had held their peace, James answered. So this is James, right? This dude's a dude who knows the scriptures, right? He becomes like the head head dude of Jerusalem and stuff later on. So this guy's a guy that knows what's going down. And he says, man and brethren, hearken unto me. So James says, all right, guys, we all know that you're saying that these people need to be circumcised to be saved. But what we're hearing is that that's not true because we literally saw people that weren't circumcised get saved. And I use saved as, you know, because that's just the modern term. But basically, we saw them be filled with the Holy Ghost and God pour his spirit out on them. That's what they literally saw, right? The, the, the pouring out of the spirit on the Gentiles. And he's saying that right now. So he's saying, hearken unto me. Listen unto me. Simon hath declared how God at the first did visit the Gentiles and to take out of them a people for his name. And to this agree the words of the prophets as it is written, after this I will return and I will build again the tabernacle of David which is fallen down and I will build again the ruins thereof and I will set it up that the residue of men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles unto whom my name is called, saith the Lord, who does all these things. So here James is reminding him, remember that we were told, right, through the prophets, that this would all be rebuilt. And that men might seek after the Lord and all the Gentiles, right? So he's saying, remember, prophets told us that this kind of stuff was going to happen. You guys, this is a Torah reference. <laughs> this is referencing the prophets of the Bible. This is not necessarily a Torah reference, sorry, but more of a, more of a reference to their scriptures, the, the, what we today like to call the Old Testament. He's referencing and saying, hey, remember, we were told that this kind of stuff's going to happen. These are Pharisees, guys, that would have known exactly what he's talking about. They've been like, yeah, yeah, we read that too. We read that too. So let's go into 18. It says, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Wherefore, my sentence is, this is, this is his sentence, which means uh, like his, his ruling, his determination, you know, of this. And it says that we trouble not them which from among the Gentiles are turned to God. So he said, let's stop bothering these people that just got converted to God. And again, very misunderstood verse. Everyone says, that's it. That's where they said, we don't have to keep the law. That's the one, don't trouble them. But it doesn't say that guys. It doesn't say, let's not trouble them with the law 
they don't have to keep it. It doesn't say that. It just says let's not trouble them, which is only speaking of concepts of love, of patience, right? Long-suffering, the things that God is and that wants us to be. It doesn't say don't trouble them so that they never have to keep the law. What it says is let's not bother these guys. They just turn to God. They're babies. They're still on milk, guys. Let's not trouble them because we don't want to stifle their growth, right? Verse 20, but that we write unto them, and this is what James is telling us, So, but this is what we're going to tell them. So this is what we're going to write the Gentiles. This is what we're going to tell the Gentiles. And this is going to be key here, guys. This is, this is going to be key. That they abstain from pollution of idols and from fornication and from things strangled and from blood. Okay, that's interesting. That has nothing to do with circumcision, James. I thought that chapter 1 said that we're here because people are being circumcised. Why are you talking about things strangled and blood? Oh, I don't know. Maybe because he's quoting from Leviticus. Right? Leviticus 26 and 1. You shall not make idols for yourself or erect images or pillars, and you shall not set up figured stones in your hands and bow down to it, for I am Yahuwah, your Elohim. Right there, abstain from idols. It's a Leviticus principle. Well, here's fornication in Leviticus 19.29. It says, Do not profane your daughters by making her a prostitute, lest the land fall into prostitution and the land become fully depraved. Or Deuteronomy 23.17 that says, None of the daughters of Israel shall be a cult of prostitutes, and none of the sons shall be a cult of prostitutes. So again, the fornication he's mentioning here are quotes from Leviticus, are quotes from Deuteronomy. How do I know that that's what he's saying? Because of hermeneutics that you try to use to say that this that, that Acts 19 tells us we don't have to call the law, but we don't have to follow the law. But when you look at Acts 15, he's quoting from the law. And how do I know this? Because using exegesis with who's talking and who is he talking to, this is a Torah-observant Hebrew speaking to other Torah-observant Hebrews. So he's not mentioning, hey, I just don't want these guys to drink things that are blood because it's unhealthy. No, 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 no. A Torah-observant Hebrew knows that this, abstain from fornication and abstain from idols, is a Torah reference, and the Pharisees would have received it that same way, guys. That's what he would have done. A Pharisee would have heard that and go, oh, yeah, 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 that, that's in Leviticus. And been very pleased because Pharisees were all about the law, right? They want they were all about law and some other stuff, but that's a teaching, that's a different teaching. But they were about the law and they were about their traditions as well. So if you tell them, "Hey, we're going to tell these guys to not do these things," they're going to see that as a Torah reference. They're not going to see that as anything else. We teach that it means other things. We teach that that's part of the new covenant, so we're under a new covenant and you only have to do some things, and here's some of the things you have to do. You just got to not have idols. And then we go, well, I don't have any statues in my house, so I'm good. Right? But that's not it. This is a Torah reference. This is not a Western reference. It's a Torah reference. And when you see things strangled, Leviticus 17 and 10, it says, If any one of the house of Israel or of the strangers who sojourn among them eat any blood, I will set my face against the person who eats blood, and I will cut him off from among his people. And again, Leviticus 19.26, You shall not eat any flesh with blood in it. You shall not interpret omens or tell fortunes. 
So here we go, right? That's the things strangled. That's the, that's the blood. That's exactly what James is referencing. He's referencing part of the holiness code found in the Torah and saying, we're going to teach these guys this basics of Torah. Let's not bother them, but let's tell them these few basics of the Torah. And then he explains further, right? And this verse right here, this verse right here to me tells you exactly what the heck these guys are talking about. It says, For Moses of old times hath in every city them that preach him. So what's happening? It means Moses. Moses is Torah, guys, right? The law of Moses is taught in every city that's what it says being read in synagogues every sabbath so the reason we're only going to give them these basics to our holiness code the reason we're only going to give them these basics is because be because if they're out there fornicating if they got idols in their house and they're out there drinking blood and doing blood rituals people will think that they have not yet converted so let's focus on these couple things that are really, really blatantly bad. And don't worry, though, because Moses is taught in the synagogues every Sabbath. That's James telling them. They know what the heck is taught in the Sabbath. They're the ones teaching it. They're the Pharisees that are teaching it. So when he says, y'all who are teaching in these synagogues in every city on the Sabbath are going to have them sitting in front of you, these Gentiles, that's them. You're going to have these Gentiles sitting in front of you and you'll be able to teach them everything else. You'll be able to read them the law and teach them the other portions of the Torah. So let's start with these blatantly bad things. We can't be having them have idols. We can't be having them out there having sex, right? Because that was a part of, of ritual worship to idols not just for fornication like we do today in our in our nation just for fun and pleasure of flesh but back then it was that too but it was also a part of of rituals to gods i mean going to a temple and sleeping with a prostitute was part of your worship so he says let's work on these things with them that are blatantly bad in the Torah and give them some basic guidance because on the Sabbath, they're going to be sitting in front of you and you can teach them the rest. And look right here. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with, <laughs> with the whole church to send chosen men to their own companies to Antioch with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, surnamed Barnabas, and Silas, chief men among brethren, and they wrote letters by them after this manner, the apostles and elders and brethren, sending greetings unto the brethren which are of the Gentiles in Antioch and in Caesarea. For as much as we have heard that certain which went from us have troubled you with words, subverting your souls, saying, You must be circumcised and keep the law, to whom we gave no such commandment. So, he's, so, so now what happens is, it says it pleased everybody. We read that in verse 22. It pleased them. Why did it please them? Because I'm telling you that when they're in front of you in the synagogues on your Sabbath teaching, when you're standing in front of everybody doing your readings and doing your teaching to the people on the Sabbath, you'll have them and you'll be able to teach them the rest of the Torah. Yeah, that pleases me, right? As a leader, I'm like, man, these guys ain't living right. And I'm telling you, don't worry. We'll focus on some basics. And then when they're in your church service, you'll be able to give them the rest. Because we don't want to trouble them. We want to be patient. We want to be long-suffering as our Messiah has taught us. 
And then they go on to say, we didn't give anybody a commandment that said, you must be circumcised and keep the law. And again, misunderstood verse, people love to say, see, see, Paul didn't tell people they had to keep the law. No, 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 that's not what this verse says. It doesn't say that. It says, you must be circumcised and keep the law to be saved. That's what it's talking about. And we know that that's what he's talking about. Don't, don't say like, oh, that, that verse to be saved isn't in verse 24, brother. But we know because of verse 1 that that's what it is, right? Verse 1 says circumcised. Unless you're circumcised, you cannot be saved. So when you go to verse 24 and he said, you must be circumcised and keep the law. You can't just cherry pick that and say, oh, you must be circumcised. Paul never taught such a commandment. No, 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 no. This is that the point of this whole chapter was found in verse 1 that said you must be circumcised to be saved. That is what they're saying we never taught. They didn't teach people to be circumcised to be saved because the Messiah didn't teach be circumcised and be saved. He taught be baptized or be baptized is a representation of entering the covenant, right? Believe in me and be baptized. That's what the Messiah taught. Repent, teshuvah, repent, return, return to the house of Israel and be saved and be baptized. He didn't mention circumcision. So they're saying that's why we didn't talk about circumcision. And it seemed good unto us, this is verse 25, being assembled with one accord to send chosen men unto you with our brethren Paul and Barnabas, men that have hazarded their lives for the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have sent through Judas and Silas, who shall also tell you the same things by mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Ghost to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things. What necessary things? Well, he tells you right here, verse 9, that they abstain from meats offered to idol, from blood, and from things strangled, and from fornication, from which if ye keep yourself, ye do well. Fare ye well. And so they were dismissed. So what's happening here is not what all those teachers out there love to teach. That the council of Jerusalem teaches that we don't have to keep the law. Well, if that's what it's teaching, then why are these people quoting from the law when telling the Gentiles what they have to do? Why are they doing that if they don't have to keep it? They wouldn't say that at all, guys. If this was telling us not to teach... Oh, man, I get... I need to calm down for a minute. I'm getting hype. getting hype. Sorry. If this was teaching people to not keep the law, then the conclusion from James, Peter, and Paul would have been this. Let's teach these Gentiles that Yahshua died for them and that they're saved by grace through faith. If that's the only thing required... And that's the only part of this Christian walk that matters. Why would they mention fornication, meat offered to idol, and things strangled? If this was truly telling us that we do not have to keep the Torah anymore, then why was that not the conclusion of the council? The conclusion of the council was to teach them to continue in the basics of Torah until they get into the synagogue to hear the rest of what Torah has to offer. They don't talk about saved by grace through faith at all in this council, yet that's what you preach every day. 
You will tell me Acts 15 says we no longer it was determined by the early church people in Jerusalem that we don't have to keep the law anymore yet they don't say that. You say we don't have to keep the law because we're, we're only saved by grace through faith. That's it. Just grace. Just grace. That's it. And if you're right, if you're right and it was just grace, then why did, wasn't that the conclusion of the Council of Jerusalem? Why is it not mentioned at all here? Because that wasn't even part of the discussion. The discussion was, is circumcision required for salvation? No, it's not. Okay, cool. Now that we all agree that the Gentiles were saved without being circumcised, because Peter says that, now that we agree, I saw Gentiles get saved without being circumcised. I saw the, the Spirit of the Lord move in their lives. I saw that with my own eyes. So, therefore we know you don't have to be circumcised to be saved. Well, now what? And then James says, now what? Well, now we teach them some of the basics that are problems in their culture. This is Greek culture, this is Roman culture, that's what we're dealing with. People that fornicate for worship to idols. Eating meat to other idols isn't like praying to an idol over your food. No, it's the same kind of stuff that happens in the temple. You kill the animal and you eat it with the priest for part of your worship. That's also what pagans do. Because the devil ain't got no good ideas. He has to steal all his from the Lord. But that is what they do. So let's teach them some stuff that brings them away from their current situation and current belief system. And then when they're in the synagogues, every Sabbath, Moses is read. And those Pharisees were like, yeah, dope, dude. I do teach. You know, I do teach the law every Sabbath. I do do that. So yeah, totally. I'm cool with that. I'm cool with giving them some basics and then, and then continuing to teach them during the Sabbath. I'm cool with that. Y'all cool with that? Yeah, I'm cool. Let's write them some letters. And then that's what they did. That's what they did. So the conclusion of this council was not that we no longer have to keep the law and we're saved only by faith through grace. The conclusion was a council that we teach them that it's right here in verse 29. So I'm just going to use the Bible's words instead of my own words because you can debate my words all day, but you can't debate the Bible. Here's the conclusion of the council because right after this, the very next line in, in 15 and 30, it says, so they were dismissed. So that means that this was the final conclusion, that ye abstain from meat offered to idols, found in Leviticus, and from blood, found in Leviticus, and from things strangled, found in Leviticus, and from fornication, found in Leviticus. Part of the Torah. Oh, and this also a bunch of this stuff has repeats in Deuteronomy and stuff as well. So the conclusion of the council was not that we no longer have to keep the law. Don't give me that nonsense about your Greek philosophy that you like to call hermeneutic saying, if you say that you love Yeshua and do not keep his commandments, you're a liar. And then you say, well, that can't be true because at the Council of Jerusalem, they determined that we don't have to keep the law. Well, let's see. Let's see the Council of Jerusalem. I'm going to read it again. Here's the conclusion of the matter. That ye abstain from meat offered to idols found in the Torah, and from blood, found in the Torah. Do I need to do this again, guys? And from things strangled, found in the Torah. And from fornicate, found in the Torah. Do I need to say it again? Do I need to repeat this a second time? That's the conclusion of the council. The conclusion of the council is teach them the basics of Torah. This isn't telling people that they don't know, no longer have to keep the law. It's the contrary to that. But because you've been lied to, and because you think you're using hermeneutics, 
You think you're safe in studying that, but you're not. You're putting in your own thought process. You're reading this from a thought process of believing that you don't have to keep the law. That's your thought process. You believe I don't have to keep the law. And then when you read this and you see things like don't trouble the Gentiles, you go, oh, don't trouble them with the law because that's a yoke. That's a burden. Come on, man. That's eisegesis. That's when you place your own thought process into the text. But when you actually read the text and look at it, who's talking? Hebrews who kept the Torah. How do we know they kept the Torah? Because Paul and them, they tell you. Paul tells you, I'm a Jew of the Jews, man. Like I'm, the, I'm like a Pharisee of the Pharisees. I'm like the dopest of the dope. I keep the law better than all these people. That's that. Remember, Paul goes on a little tirade and tells people, but then he says, "I don't boast, but 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 to Messiah, right?" And he, that whole thing, right? So that's a Hebrew keeping, a Torah keeping Hebrew, talking to Pharisees, who we know are Torah keeping Hebrews, and they would have understood it. When you look at it from their point of view, they understand that these are quotes from the Torah. So don't try to tell me that I don't have to keep the law because the Council of Jerusalem determined in the early church that you don't have to keep the law anymore because you, you don't know how to read the text. And it's confusing. I get it. It's confusing. Guys, look, man, I'm 39 years old. And I've been keeping the Torah for like a year, two years, three years. All right, 2016 Passover was, was my like aha moment, right? And, and even then it took me a long time to get where I am today. So I was disillusioned just as you were disillusioned. And you don't realize how hard it is to read this text and remove your own thought process. You don't realize how hard that is. It's extremely difficult to read the Bible and remove everything that you've been taught about Western society and look at it from a Hebrew perspective. Unless you grew up a Jew or grew up in Hebrew or in a Messianic family, and you just grew up in America like I did, you know, looking up to Abraham Lincoln and, you know, talking about votes and, you know, we have a different culture. We're democracy here in America. We're different. And you don't realize that when you look at this, you look at it as these guys are getting together to debate and vote and determine. That's not it. That's Greek thinking. That's Roman thinking. They got together to study the Torah and find out what we need to do with converts. And James says, yo guys, I don't know if you know this, but the Torah has provisions for bringing in foreigners, which is to tell them to follow this holiness code. Let's just stick with that. Let's just stick with what God wrote in the Torah from the beginning. And then when they come to you and they're not wearing their zitzit, you can show them Zitzit are the tassels that you're required to wear to, to remind you of the commandments. That when the woman with the issue of blood touched the hem of Yeshua's gar garment, that, that, that's what she was touching, his zitzit, his tassels, right? They, they are, they're a blue cord hanging out the four corners to remind you to keep the commandments. Anyway, so when a Gentile walks up in Jew and he ain't wearing his zitzit, you can show him in your Sabbath service Hey, hey, you know you're supposed to wear these. And with grace and long-suffering, teach him the rest of the law. But let's start with the basics of the holiness code to bring them out of paganism and bring them into our synagogues 
Because if we just say, hey, hey, you have to do this, you got to do this, you got to do this, they're going to be overwhelmed, they're going to back out. And, you know, we find in later writings of Peter and stuff, like a, he quotes from Proverbs when he says, it'll be worse for them than it was from the beginning, and like a dog, they will return to their vomit. So basically, he's like, yo, stop, like, we can't put too much on them in the beginning. One, we weren't able to do it, our ancestors messed it up. So we can't expect them to get it perfect in the beginning either. So let's take them in. And then James says, and let's teach them these basics of the holiness code found in our Torah, these basic things. And when you get them in the synagogues, you'll be able to teach them the rest of the law. And I would like someone who thinks that they don't keep the law to describe Acts 15 and 21. For Moses of old times hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath day. What does that mean if they're not telling them that they're going to continue to teach him the law on the, on the Sabbath? For those of you who think that Acts 15 is telling us that we no longer have to keep the commandments, then why are they talking about the Torah being read during the Sabbath? And why is that pleasing to the apostles and the elders in the room? Why is that pleasing to them? If these Pharisees whom Yeshua had trouble converting. He had trouble with these guys because they're caught up in some of their traditions. He had trouble. Yet James comes in and says, hey, they don't have to keep, they don't have to keep the Torah guys and they were pleased with that? No. No, 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 no. As a matter of fact, we find that when people are told that they don't keep the law, like Stephen, the first martyr, he got killed. When, the, when those people got told, hey, yo, this dude preaches against the law, they went out and killed him. Yet, yet, you think that James is standing up here in Jerusalem, in the hub of all this religious Torah keeping, and says, don't worry, don't trouble them, they don't have to do it anymore, and they just walked away happy? Man, you guys need to look at this from the Hebrew perspective. They would have lost their minds if they were told that these Gentiles don't have to keep the law. They would have flipped out. Paul, Barnabas, Peter, and James would have all been killed right there, stoned to death, beaten, because that's what they tried to do to everybody else that stood against them. They beat them. They stoned them. They went to Romans and had them hung on crosses. That's what they did to people who they thought were teaching against their law. Now, it's not true. Yeshua never taught against the law. Neither does Paul. Neither does Peter. Neither does James. And this is proof of that. That you would say that they taught against the law. But yet in Acts 15 and 21, it says, But don't worry, for Moses of old time hath in every city them that preach him being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. So let's teach them the basics of this holiness code, the basics of Torah, and when they're in your Sabbath service, you can teach them the rest of the law of Moses, the laws of God. You can teach them the rest of it then. That's the conclusion of the matter. And when they conclude the whole matter and sum it up at the end in, in Acts 15 and 29, they re-reference Torah principles and say, this is what we're going to put in our letter to the people. Follow these basics of Torah. And you think that that's just the only ones we have to follow? No, I'm telling you, you're not looking at it from the right perspective. From the Hebrew view, these Pharisees understood the reference. James knew the reference. He knew he was quoting the Bible. They knew he was quoting the Bible. The scriptures, he was quoting the Torah. They all knew it. And then he said, don't worry, because you're going to get control of them in the Sabbath, and you'll be able to teach them there. And you'll get the control of them that you need to teach them the proper things they need. And to guide them in the way they go. And it said they pleased them. When ever in the history of the Bible were a group of Pharisees pleased to hear that they didn't have to keep the law? Whenever. They lose their minds. 
They flipped out and murdered people. They created false witnesses against Stephen to, to lie about him keeping the law, uh, preaching against the law so that they could kill him. It's grounds for death to say, don't keep the law. That's grounds for death. And you think that they just walked away, please. No, 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 we're happy with that. You know, Yeshua told us that and we didn't believe him, but we believe you, James. No, no, because they were telling him, look guys, these Gentiles got to keep the law. But, little caveat off that, they don't have to be circumcised to, to be saved because I saw God moving in their lives. God is saving these people. We just need to teach them the basics of the holiness code now that God has shown it to them. But it's not the requirement. It's not keep the Torah and then God will pour his spirit out on the people because I, Peter, have seen the spirit go on them before they decided to keep the law. I saw the spirit be poured on them. So keeping the law is not a requirement for salvation by any means, gentlemen. We never preached that you had to be circumcised to be saved. We never preached that. So let's calm down. Let's teach them some Torah basics. And when they get into your Sabbath services, you'll be able to give them the rest. I don't see how looking at this, you can draw any other conclusion. And anyone who's telling you, that this is trying to lead you away from the commandments that's never read Deuteronomy 13, which tells you if a prophet comes and says, follow after other gods and go over here and walk away from the law, he's a false prophet, you should kill him. So these prophets, these apostles, rather, right? If they came in and said, hey, we don't have to keep the law anymore, guys. We got a new revelation. Then according to Deuteronomy 13, they have, they have to be killed. And if that didn't happen then the law is not fulfilled, then part of the law has been removed. Man, you guys, look at how many problems you start to run into by saying that. You have to remove a whole chapter of the Torah, which Yeshua, by the way, said, I have not come to abolish. Oh, and not one jot or tittle shall be removed. But you would have to remove that whole chapter because it tells you to kill people who tell you to not follow the law. It tells you, if they lead you away from me, my Torah... Kill them, get rid of them, get them out. Well, if we don't, are no longer under the law, then that whole chapter doesn't apply. Then a jot or tittle can now be removed from the law. You run into a lot of problems when you start teaching people that we no longer have to keep the Torah. And when you're looking at Acts 15 and you're trying to tell me that the Council of Jerusalem told us that we don't have to keep the law, I don't care what your college professor said because he tells you what he was taught by other men and you hear from him. See, these traditions of the Western church are passed down from man to man to man. But the word of God says that in every synagogue, we will teach them the law of Moses on the Sabbath. And it tells me to remember the holiness codes found in Leviticus to bring me out of my paganism so that I can continue to teach Torah. And I had to learn slowly. That's why, like I said, when I started keeping the law, you know, I started keeping the Torah uh, 2016 Passover it took me several years before I really got it all together I started like looking at stuff like man it says that oh snap like I did a whole Passover with like leaven in my house eating bread like a like a dum-dum when it clearly says don't do that so I, so I had to learn slowly and what was happening in Acts 15 is these Pharisees and these teachers of the law were not expecting people to act slowly what do you mean you ate leaven on the Passover get out of here get out of here and running them out of the church and they're trying to calm him down. Calm down. He made a mistake because he doesn't know any better. 
He didn't grow up like we grew up. And I, I didn't. I didn't know. I grew up doing Christmas and Easter and Halloween. I didn't grow up doing Passover. And then I, after I did Passover by myself and I look back, I'm like, oh, man, I had bread in this house that whole time. I just, I just was ignorant. I was, I, was, I was a fool. I didn't know. And, and that's what they're telling these guys. Hey, these Gentiles, they don't know. They don't know about circumcision. Their culture looks at circumcision as manipulation, as mutilation. And their culture kind of frowns upon it. And you're telling him, stop everything and go do it. He's like, whoa, whoa, isn't that a bad, isn't cutting yourself a bad thing? And, and they're confused. So let's start slow. Let's start by keeping them from idols, keeping them from fornication, keeping them from things strangled, which is dietary laws. Love, people love to talk about the difference between ceremonial and, and moral laws, even though there's no scriptural reference for it. But no, 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 no. They mention dietary laws right here, guys. Blood, that's all dietary stuff, right? A part of it, right? So let's, let's start with these basics and then let's teach them the rest of the Torah as we go. And that was the conclusion and the resolution reached by the Jerusalem Council. In no way does it say anywhere that we should not keep the commandments as a matter of fact, it says, if you're a new convert to Christ, the Spirit is with you. Yes, indeed, you are saved. Now slowly but surely learn the Torah as you practice and walk in your life. I hope that this teaching was a blessing to you. I hope it edified you. This is The Art of Being, the podcast. Look for us on Facebook at The Art Being. You can email me at theartofbeing at gmail.com. But in the word being, where the E stands... There will be a three, so it's at the art of the letter B, the number three, I-N-G, at gmail.com. And guys, you can look me up on patreon.com if you think that you want to donate to this ministry and uh, help us get uh, better equipment and better things to, to bring the word and spread it as much as we can. That's my goal, is to, is to spread the word of God and to change our default setting from the thought process of men to the, what the word of God says. So if you think that that uh, is a worthy cause and you want to donate, you can go to patreon.com slash theartofbeing and you can donate to us there. I thank you guys for stopping by. As always, please email me and let me know if this has blessed you. Let me know if you hate me. And uh, I love to hear that kind of stuff because I want to hear everybody's point of view, even those that disagree with me. How else am I supposed to learn, right? So let me know. Challenge me and I will challenge you. May you be blessed and may you keep the holiness code. And continue to keep the Torah. And I pray that every Sabbath that you learn of the laws of God and walk in them. And may the Spirit of God rest on you. Blessings. Love you guys. Bye.